1: Welcome to the New Books and Philosophy channel of the New Books Network. My name is Robert Talese. I'm professor of philosophy at Vanderbilt University. I co-host the channel with Carrie Figder. Carrie is associate professor of philosophy at the University of Iowa. Today, my guest is Professor Michael Bratman. His new book is titled Shared Agency, A Planning Theory of Acting Together. It has just been published by Oxford University Press. Rattman is U.G. and Abby Birch Dufri Professor in the School of Humanity and Science and Professor of Philosophy at Stanford University. One striking feature of humans is the fact that we sometimes act together. That is, we can recognize an intuitive difference between our simply walking alongside each other and our walking together. The former involves coordinated action and intention, but the latter involves something more, what we might think of as shared intentions. There are distinctively philosophical questions that emerge regarding shared intentions. What are they? What's their structure? How do they emerge? How do they connect with action? In his book, Shared Agency, Michael Bratman addresses these questions. He argues that the planning theory of individual agency that he has developed in previous work provides sufficient resources for understanding small-scale cases of acting together. His claim, then, is that modestly social agency can be accounted for without the introduction of new philosophical elements. Shared agency is a fascinating exploration of a core set of human phenomena. Let's turn to the interview. Hello, Michael Bratman. Hi, Bob. How are you doing today? Terrific. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you for joining us on New Books in Philosophy.
0: My pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
1: Well, great. And Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. My guest is Michael Bratman, and we'll be discussing his new book, which is titled Shared Agency, A Planning Theory of Acting Together. This book, which I highly recommend, begins by acknowledging the centrality of shared activity in human life. Bratman's primary thesis is that once we understand the structure of individual agency and planning, we can build an attractive conception of shared agency and shared intention without need for the um, introduction of new and philosophically suspicious, perhaps states or entities or items. Put otherwise, Bratman holds that the move from individual agency to social agency is what we might call philosophically conservative. A philosophically accurate account of individual agency includes much of the resources that would, would be required for us to construct a philosophically attractive account of how we act together. Um, this is an ambitious, yet concise and accessible book, and there's a lot of talk about here. Um, but first, Michael, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself?
0: Thanks, Bob. Uh, well, um, I grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, I graduated from Northeast High School, which which interestingly was the target of Frederick Wiseman's famous documentary, High School. All right. Uh, yeah. And um, I recommend the documentary. Um, I went to Haverford College and I graduated in 1967. I began with an interest in math and physics, gradually got attracted to philosophy, went to the Rockefeller Ph.D. program in philosophy. Uh, this was a period of time, between, uh, about a decade or so, when Rockefeller I uh, was experimenting with a major Ph.D. program in philosophy. The experiment lasts 10 or 15 years, and during that time, I got my uh, Ph.D. in 1974, working primarily with uh, Donald Davidson and Joel Feinberg, and I came to Stanford in 74. Um, uh, somewhere along the line, I became uh, obsessed with the nature of human agency and practical reasoning um, and uh, tried to follow up with that by the time I got to Stanford. And um, uh, another uh, kind of obsession that uh, gripped me as I was thinking about things was being struck by the the temporal organization of our agency, the way in which so much of what we do has a kind of complicated temporal structure. Just think about growing food in your garden or uh, building a house or writing an essay. And it did seem to me that though I was enormously impressed with Davidson's approach to human action, Uh, 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 that I'd worked very hard on thinking about early in my career, uh, that there was not a sufficiently rich picture of the role of intention and planning in the cross-temporal organization of our action, and that's what uh, grabbed my philosophical imagination when I came to Stanford. And I was helped a lot by a groundbreaking paper of Gil Harman's on this subject and also thinking about the work of Hector Neyri Castaneda. And that led to uh, the first book, Intention, Plans, and Practical Reason, uh, which developed uh, the the ideas that I guess we'll talk about a little later that I came to call the planning theory, which were an effort to kind of give a, as it were, a modest theory of the will and its role in cross-temporal organization that was naturalistically plausible. And then, uh, from then on, I... Follow. try to follow through with these ideas. Uh, I was thinking a lot about issues about what came to be called resolute choice. There was fascinating work by Ned McLennan and David Godier and uh, work by psychologists on temptation, say George Ainsley, that seemed to me to feed into the issues about planning uh, that I was worrying about. Uh, And I I worked on those and also started to write essays on shared agency and uh, that's what led to my next book of essays, which was called Phases of Intention, and was published in 1999. Then I started thinking about how planning might help us with the kind of Frank- Harry Frankfurt project of, of of a naturalistic picture, a non-homuncular picture of human self governance, and I, that led me to a series of essays that were published called Structures of Agency in 2007. Um, and along the way, I was also trying to think more deeply about the underlying idea of a rational dynamics of planning agency, a distinctive structure of rationality for planning agency. There I was getting challenged by a number of uh, other philosophers. There there were people like David Velleman who were trying to think of the rational dynamics of planning uh, as, as, as a kind of sp- special case of the rational dynamics of belief, a view I called cognitivism, and I was trying to explain why I didn't think that was the right approach. At the same time, People like Joseph Roz and um, Nico Kolodny were uh, developing what 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 we could call myth theories, That that these kind of rationality norms that were so important in the way I was thinking about planning were really, in a a way, a kind of myth. And so I was grappling with those challenges. uh, And then along the way, I got to think that those early essays I wrote on shared agency really needed to be developed into a more systematic story. And that's what led to the book we're talking about today
1: well that's that's great and and very helpful in in laying out uh um your previous work um and um uh, just to pick up on where where you uh where you concluded there um so shared agency the book um picks up on all of these themes the ones that you were just describing uh which you've been working on as you say for quite a while um particularly it seems you're you're concerned to draw the implication of uh for our theory of how we act together. Um, the, you're interested in connecting up a, a theory of acting together to this previous set of, um, of views that you've worked out uh, um, earlier uh, called the planning theory of uh, individual action. Um, could you now, in a little bit more detail, though, since it's so crucial to uh, filling out the details of the shared agency cases, can you talk to us a little bit about the details of the just the planning theory um, uh, in general?
0: Yeah, I'd be pleased, Bob, in that... Uh yeah. Um, so as I was starting to say earlier, uh, uh, the, the thought is that there's a very striking feature of human agency and that and the philosophical theory of human agency has to come to grips with it quite directly. And that's the striking cross-temporal organization of our action over time. And the, the thought I was led to, partly by way of thinking about the, the what wasn't in Davidson's approach to intention, uh, the thought I was led to was that at the bottom, or anyway, one plausible model of this cross-temporal organization of human action, at the bottom of it, it was kind of plan-infused, that there was a kind of plan dynamics uh, that had a kind of rational, or a rational dimension to it. So we can call it a kind of rational dynamics of planning agency, which was uh, helping to explain so many of these important features of the way in which our activity gets organized over time when we, say, plan a garden and grow some food. Um, and uh, I saw this as a way of getting at the idea that it's really important for human action that we settle on certain things. And so in that sense, it's a kind of theory of the will. We settle on certain things, but some, many of the things we settle on aren't what to do right now, but what to do later, like um, I settle now to go to Mexico City a month from now. Um, and that sets in motion complicated, uh, complicated planning dynamics, which, according to me, is kind of at the bottom of, of the way in which our lives get cross-temporally organized. Um, so you could think of the planning theory as a kind of naturalistic theory of the will that emphasizes the cross-temporal organization of human uh, action, human activity. Um, the I could say more about the details of the planning theory. Should I do that now? Would that be useful? Yeah, that might be very helpful. Okay, good. Um, uh, In trying to think about this kind of phenomenon of plan-infused cross-temporal organization of human action, uh, I I think the best way to think about the the approach I found um, um, uh, most viable is is a kind of functionalism that makes room for normative guidance. So, The idea is Think about these planning structures uh, as having states, planned states, say the state of planning to go to Mexico City a month from now, um, and characterize those states partly in terms of the roles they play in our thinking and action. So if, I have, if I'm planning to go to Mexico City a month from now, it kind of sets a problem. How am I going to get there? I've got to call up the airline, or I guess we don't call up airlines anymore. <laughs> get on the web. Um, uh, it's going to constrain my thinking in various ways. So if someone asks me to give a lecture at Stanford during that time, I have to say no or change my plans. Um, it's going to tend to be stable over time since that's the whole point of these plans is to coordinate action over time. So if you kind of constantly rethinking them and changing them on a whim, um, they're not going to play their characteristic roles. So the thought is, and then when the time comes, I'm going to get on an airplane. Um, uh, and this plan to go to Mexico City is going to control and guide appropriate action. so So those are kind of characteristic roles in terms of which we can understand the states in the planning system. And, and I'm thinking that the way they work is um, it's a kind of causal psychology that the, the 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 plan to go to Mexico City a month from now tends to cause thinking about getting an airplane ticket. Um, but it's not merely a causal psychology. The thought is that this is a kind of norm-guided um, uh, dynamics. So when my plan to go to Mexico City a month from now leads me to think about getting an airline ticket, that's because I'm being guided at least implicitly by a kind of norm that's very kind of, well, you know, uh, it, it's a kind of analog of a Kantian hypothetical imperative. Uh, Kant's picture was, if you will, the end. As far as you're rational, you will the means. So instead of talking about willing, I'm talking about intending. But as I said, it's a kind of naturalized version of willing. Um, and the the idea is, if you if you have an intention or a plan to go to Mexico City a month from now, that engages a norm that says you need to fill in your plans appropriately. I call that a norm of means and coherence. If if I keep intending to go or planning to go to Mexico City a month from now. And, and the the, time, the clock ticks, the calendar ticks, and uh, get to the day I'm supposed to go when I still haven't gotten an airplane ticket. There's a kind of incoherence in my plans. Um, similarly, there's a kind of there's a pressure for certain kinds of consistency. I'm planning to go to Mexico City a month from now and planning to go to uh, Amsterdam a month from now. Well, those things, given the world as we know it, um, aren't co doable. And I'm going to adjust my plans in light of concerns about co-doability. And that's not just a causal fact about me. That's because I'm guiding my practical thinking with, 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 with a concern with a norm of consistency, a norm of co-realizability, if you will. Uh, so the thought is that by, uh, oh, and the next thing I want to say is those kinds of concerns with satisfying, say, norms of what I call means and coherence and consistency of your plans help explain why the police plan states play these roles. So the idea is if I'm planning to go to Mexico City a month from now and my thinking is guided by a norm of um, means and coherence, that will help explain why, in fact, I will tend to worry about means and and settle on means as time goes by. Um, The... uh, um, one feature of this that I should have said mentioned earlier, but uh, I should say now just to be clear, it's at the heart of this is uh, this story is um, the thought that these plans that we settle on that shape our thought and action over time have have a distinctive partiality. We, we don't settle in advance on total plans about what to do. Uh, that would be a terrible waste of our intellectual and cognitive resources. And um, in, in a sensitivity to that fact is kind of some, is one of the lessons I drew, got from the groundbreaking work of the social scientist Herbert Simon, who emphasized our resource limits and our thinking. Uh, given that these plans are partial, because that's the kind of... We, we wait until we learn more. I don't now have... If I plan to go to Mexico City a month from now, I don't now have to figure out kind of which cab to take when I get to the airport. Uh, I can wait for later... But given that they're partial, as time goes by, they need to be filled in, and that's where these norms of coherence and consistency will be operative. So the thought is that in terms of these roles and these norms, you get a kind of functional characterization, one that's sensitive to the importance of normative guidance of these planned states, and then a planning system is a system of these states that function in these ways in accordance with the, this kind of normative guidance, and intentions, at least one Way of thinking about intention, not the only way of thinking of it. And there are others in the literature, but one way I found useful for thinking about intention: just think of intentions. Think of intentions. Don't, don't think first about intentionally doing something. Think about intending to do something later. That's a plan state where we've explained what plan states are in terms of these characteristic roles and norms. And then we now have a theory about what intentions are. Intentions are states that play this kind of functional role in this kind of normatively guided system. And then the conjecture is going to be that's going to help us understand um, uh, the, the distinctive cross temporal organization of our agency.
1: Well, that's very helpful. Um, uh, so let me um, b- then then begin in 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 talking specifically about the new book, Shared Agency. Um, just asking, pressing you a little bit, just to lay out some of the motivations for the, what what I think of as what seems to me to be sort of a key uh, metaphilosophical or maybe methodological commitment, which is what you call the continuity thesis. Yes. That is, it seems very important to you to be able to show that. Um, the 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 right or weaker a, a, an attractive view of our individual agency um, allows us um, uh, to uh, extrapolate without introducing new and perhaps suspicious philosophical items um, the account uh, an account of shared agency that you want to maintain that um, uh, there's a continuity between the individual and the social cases uh, and that continuity uh means that um, uh we we can we can account uh for the the social uh, the, the cases of group activity or shared intention or shared agency uh with just a little bit extra extra tweaking of the right account of the individual case and that the, the move from individual to shared agency doesn't require a philosophical leap. Yep. Um, can you tell us a little bit about sort of the motivation behind, behind that methodological yeah, principle, yeah. if I've got it oh, right?
0: Yeah, terrific. Uh, th- just to be careful, um, in the book I use the term modest sociality, and the reason I use that term is what we're talking about are small-scale cases. Uh, right. you know, painting a house together, going for a walk together, singing a duet together, playing a quartet together. As I say in the book, I'm talking about quartets, not symphony offices with conductors. So um, as you get to larger institutions, it's an open question to what extent the resources I've been able to develop here um, will give us a full story about these uh, larger cases. So so the continuity thesis is, concerns these small-scale cases. Now, um. What's behind the continuity thesis? Well, uh, or, or uh, kind of what's the methodological background here? Um, so I'm thinking this uh, that uh, uh, well, as I as I was saying before, so start out with being struck by the complex temporal organization of individual human agency, and according to me, that should lead us to a, a more complicated model of individual human agency than. The one that was the kind of dominant model in philosophy, and and to some extent still is in certain social sciences, um, um, which was then the philosophers called the desire belief model, or in social science certain aspects of social science gets to be called the expected utility model. The idea that the kind of underlying dynamics of human activity is a kind of there are these desires and these beliefs. And or these utilities and these probabilities, and they're what explain what's going on. And the thought I had about even in individual case was there's a richer structure of the will, if you will, namely these planning structures, which are not reducible to beliefs and desires or utilities and probabilities and play, have, a, have, a, have their own distinctive dynamic. And so the thought is there is actually a big step from a kind of simple goal-directed agent, maybe a cat, or if there are some cat uh, fans out there, maybe a change <laughs> the example to a, a rodent or something. But the point is, there's lots of agency in the natural world. Um, there are a lot of animals that aren't uh, planning agents, but they're still goal-directed. But, but we are not just goal-directed agents. We, we, and the, this, the kind of basic sign of that, according to me, is this capacity for cross temporal organization that, according to me, is plan-infused. And then the thought is, once you enrich your theory of individual agency, that's a, that's a big step to enrich your theory of individual agency that way you're introducing fairly powerful resources. But when I say resources, I mean the resources that the theories are using to understand what's going on. So you're introducing new concepts, concept of plan or intention. Uh, You're introducing a new metaphysics because you're supposing there really are these states of mind, which are these planned states. You're introducing kind of normative resources because you, as I said, the planning theory is a, partly a theory of the rational dynamics of planning, and rationality is a kind of normative phenomenon, and though that raises lots of questions that maybe we'll get to later. Um, so you've already gotten an extremely robust theory going just to account for the temporal extension, the temporal coordination. Of, um, and then the, it's, so you've already got to have that kind of robust theory going, according to me, if you're going to take seriously the diachronic organization of human action. And now the question: since you already need that, <laughs> um, do you really need something further, some fundamentally new element, and fundamentally new metaphysics, fundamentally new concepts, fundamentally new normative constraints, to to get adequate theories, and not just in philosophy? We could talk about this more, but um the kinds of disciplines there are just a wide range of disciplines that need to then do to some extent think about these phenomena, including cognitive science and, and um, uh, uh, artificial intelligence for that matter anyway the, the thought is um, once we have this rich theory of the individual case uh, it's, it's it's a actual question to ask, is that rich enough to get us a theory of at least a kind of robust story about? Uh, shared intentionality—the social, the, this kind of small-scale social case—and um, in a way, it's uh, one way to think about the question: is we have this, as it were, glue that this diachronic glue in our lives that it, that it, that is involved in the cross-temporal organization of planting and garden and feeding your family that way, and we have this kind of social glue when we walk together or paint together or sing a duet together, and maybe could we think of the social glue as, as it were kind of intimately connected to the diachronic will. And that's a natural conjecture. And, you know, there are versions of that thought in the history of philosophy. People have always been struck, not a lot of people have been struck in the history of philosophy, with the parallels between the kind of relations of within a life over time and relations across lives. And this, the, the, the kind of guiding thought is, this, this is a case in which that parallel could be really important, because it could turn out that the that the uh, resources we've already got, these robust resources really are pretty much plus or minus a bit sufficient uh, for the shared case. Now, that suggests the thesis, the continuity thesis, the kind of conservatism you're talking about, it doesn't show it will work. But if it did work, and so part of the, you know, kind of one of the main claims of the book is it works. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. if it works, uh, then we've learned something. We've learned that we really don't need these further elements that some philosophers have thought we need now, if it turns out it didn't work then that we would have learned something too that we do need these further elements um, so uh, you know uh, uh, it's it was an experiment in a way to see if you could once you once you had the richer theory of individual agencies to see if you really did have the resources to get a robust story about the share case and the kind of the underlying claim of the book is you do you could think of that as the kind of the implicit theorem of the book is: if you these resources suffice for getting the kind of functioning that's characteristic of modest sociality.
1: All right. Well, that's that, that's helpful. Um, w- would it be wrong to say that? Um, uh, would you resist the, the thought that there's a, a kind of Occam's razor principle oh, yeah, here? I like,
0: wouldn't resist it at all. In fact, I sometimes myself put it that way. That is right. So, uh, so, so, thank you for that. No. Um, Right. So, in order to explain that, uh, we have to be clear, kind of, what some of the alternatives are that people have been exploring and trying to think about these basic phenomenon of sociality. Uh, and the, the two people who figure most prominently in the book, uh, the two uh, are John Searle and Margaret Gilbert. And each of them, in a very different way, have made proposals that we need a fundamentally new element where that means a fundamentally new metaphysical element, conceptual element, and at least in the Gilbert case, normative element, uh, it's to get an adequate theoretical model of these forms of sociality. In Searle's case, it's what he calls we intentions, which aren't ordinary intentions, but distinctive new kinds of intentions. In Gilbert's case, it's a special kind of interrelation between the parties. She calls it joint commitment and has these tight connections to obligations. But the, in each case, there's a kind of anti-reductionism, The proposal is you really need to introduce these new elements to get robust theories or models of shared intentionality, sociality, modest sociality. And uh, I if the book succeeds, it shows that you don't need them. And then the Occam's razor thought, which is exactly the right thought to introduce here, is if you don't need them, then. If, if you if um, if you don't need to introduce something fundamentally new to explain the phenomena you're mostly interested in then you there's a privatization case against introducing those fundamentally new things because you have a theory that already is sufficiently uh, powerful to uh, to work for the phenomena you're focusing on
1: great so now l- let me ask just picking up on this then to, yeah. if you would so you um, at a couple of points in the book um, Talk about your view as sort of occupying the conceptual space between what you repeatedly call two important alternatives, yep. and we've already sort of uh, you've already sort of spelled out what those alternatives are. On the one hand, there's the just straight desire belief view uh, of individual agency, and then um, uh, some uh, uh, um, more. Specific sparse uh, uh, description of agents acting together that you think are uh all this is insufficient to account for uh it's not sufficiently ro- robust to account for the phenomena of shared agency. Uh so that's one alternative. And then there's the other alternative, the 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 overcommitted alternative, uh represented uh in different ways uh by Searle and Gilbert, um both of whom, uh, as you were just saying, want to introduce either a new kind of psychological or metaphysical category in Searle's case the we intention, or a new normative uh, kind of item, the, the sort of joint commitment uh, uh, constraint on, on, uh, on, on an, um, a shared agency. Um, now, can you tell us a little bit about how your, how your view, sort of w- 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 how you position yourself between these, these two kinds of alternatives and what you see wrong with the alternatives other than what I've just indicated?
0: Yeah, well, okay, so I think Searle Duberg, and I and a number of philosophers uh, are in agreement that uh, there's an important phenomenon here that's not just what tends to be called strategic interaction. So take Gilbert's a great example of walking together. Um, suppose you're walking with your friend down Fifth Avenue. Uh, there's something quite distinctive going on. And the underlying conjecture is that what's going on there has, has enormous salience to all sorts of issues in social science, law, uh artificial intelligence cognitive science and so on okay so there's something really important going on when you're walking together with your friend down fifth avenue but if it's a normal day on fifth avenue you're also walking alongside you know many 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 people and you're coordinating with them in all sorts of complicated ways at least if things go well you're not bumping into them very much and so on it's natural, and it seems to me quite plausible, to think of your interactions with all those other people as strategic in the sense that each of you is keeping track of what the other is doing and trying to adjust in light of what he thinks the other is doing, knowing full well that the other is trying to keep track of what you're doing, and she's, keeping, she's trying to adjust in light of what she thinks you're doing, and so on. So there's this phenomenon of strategic interaction that's very important it, and, and pervades our social world. But walking together with your friend down Fifth Avenue seems to have something richer in it than the strategic interaction that's going on between you and all these strangers walking down Fifth Avenue. Um, And so Searle, Gilbert and I, and others all are trying to say what resources we need to get at what's so distinctive about the walking together as opposed to walking alongside or painting together as opposed to painting alongside. And you could tell this with respect to all sorts of examples if you wanted. Okay. And the question is, what what do we need to get at that contrast? And do we need something that's fundamentally new, or can we get at it in the more conservative way that I try to? And, uh, of course, my answer is, the latter we can, but the proofs in in the pudding, right, you have to see whether or not the resources of planning theory s- suitably employed can get you that contrast in a plausible way now um in each yeah, I could say more about um the distinctive features of of the new element that Searle or Gilbert introduced, and why I'm concerned about those, but um maybe I'll pick that up later if it seems salient
1: okay, great um. So um then let me ask them now uh about how uh your own conception of uh, shared agency shared intentions gets developed so we've got the planning theory uh, in the individual case you're committed to the continuity thesis we're going to tell a continuous story from the individual case to the modest sociality case um, and the the methodology or the, the way that this uh, philosophically conservative uh, move from the individual to the modest social case works is by uh, appeal to um, uh, 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 I don't know if it's a method or a process or or a strategy uh, that you find uh, uh, one finds uh, in Grice uh, called creature construction. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about how that works?
0: Yeah, maybe I'll step back a bit. So uh, uh, to answer that, I think I need to say a little bit more about how um, the theorem works (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that I was talking about. So so in the background there's a thought That um, there's a certain parallel between shared intentional action and individual intentional action. Namely, in each case, there's a crucial explanatory role of intention. So, think about um, intentionally raising your arm. Uh, uh, So, Wittgenstein famously asked, you know, when what's left over when I subtract the fact that my arm went up from the fact that I raised it? And he was pretty skeptical about the question, but I'm not skeptical. Uh, I think it's a good question, (laughs) although I don't think calling it subtraction is very helpful. Um, But um, the natural thing to say is, at least if you raise your arm intentionally, as opposed to the arms going up because of an epileptic seizure, um, uh, the contrast between the cases is is a contrast in whether or not your intention to raise it played an appropriate explanatory role. And I extend that thought to uh, the shared case. So here we are walking here suppose you're a Martian anthropologist looking down on Fifth Avenue and you're seeing all these people walking alongside each other and you want to know which ones are walking together (laughs) in the sense we're after. And and but their behavior is kind of similar. I mean they're they're not bumping into each other and they're heading in the same direction at roughly the same pace. Which ones are walking together in a shared intentional way? Well the answer is going to be the ones whose behavior whose coordinated behavior is explained by their intending to walk together. But where I call that a shared intention to walk together. And so just as uh, it's raising my arm intentionally because it's explained by my intention to raise it, they're walking together in a shared intentional way because they share an intention to walk together. And so the the basic question now is whether we can explain construct or give a model of shared intention and its connection to the behavior out of the resources of planning theory. And this is where the Grice stuff is going to come in. So the way it's going to work is this. Um, Remember what I said about the planning theory of individual intention. You, You try to specify certain roles and certain norms in terms of which you understand what planning is and intention is. Intentions are plan states. So initially I want to proceed the same way with shared intention. So Let's say what its characteristic roles are. Why do we bother? What does it do in our lives to have a shared intention to walk together or to paint together or to sing together or to garden together? What does it do? And are there kind of characteristic norms at, involved in this in the way in which norms of consistency and means of coherence are involved in individual planning? And my answer is well, what it does is something shared what the shared intention does is something that 's kind of analogous to what the individual intention does it, 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 it The shared intention is what explains the organization of the behavior it 's what explains the coordination of the planning as when you say to me, come on, let's walk a little faster, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? But uh, if you said this to anyone who just happened to be walking alongside of you in New York City, they think you were, <laughs> who knows what they would think, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> in fact, these days, it may be a dangerous thing to say to somebody. But uh, uh, if you say that to your partner in a shared activity, it's because your planning is getting coordinated about. Uh, so the shared intention is in the background of that coordination of planning, coordination of thinking, um, and then the thought is, um, uh, how do I want to put this now? So the, the thought is that, um, also in the background is the thought that, and, and there are kind of corresponding norms here, so just as in an individual case, uh, we worried about consistency of your plans, your plan to go to Mexico City, not being consistent, say, with a potential plan to go to Amsterdam. Uh, here we worry about a social consistency. So in the background of the, of the functioning when we're walking together, is going to be a concern with making sure our individual plans fit together in a consistent way. Okay, so that's what—that's what. That's what a sh- so we sp- explain shared intention in terms of certain roles and social norms, social, social roles and certain norms, in a way that parallels how we explain individual intention. And then what we—that's the first step. And then the second step is to say, can we take the plan-theoretic resources? Which, with the idea of the plan theoretic resources is this, all these, these planning structures of the individual agents, and use them to construct something that functions in a way uh, that, that we've just described as characteristic of shared intention, and functions in that way, uh, in a way that tends to correspond to or conform to these kinds of social norms of consistency. Uh, where social means and coherence, where some, if we're painting together, someone gets the paintbrushes, someone gets the ladder, someone scrapes, someone paints, and so on. Uh, so the construction, the, uh, it, so the idea of, a, the, Grace, the, the way I'm using the uh, Grace's idea of creature construction is this, I'm going to try to see whether or not I could, I have these creatures now who are planning agents, I'm going to try to see whether or not I can give, give those plans certain contents connect them up with each other in certain ways, have have those plans control action in characteristic ways, so that when I do all that, in effect, what I've done is construct a system that functions in the way that's characteristic of a shared intention and of a shared intention's connection to behavior that, according to the story, is what is distinctive of our walking down the street in a shared intentional way rather than just alongside each other. So that's the project.
1: Okay. Okay. so let me then just pick up and 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 move to the to, to, to something that was um, at least implicit in in uh, what you were just describing. Um, now, could you? I, I take it that one of the Uh, one of the issues one must sort of settle on in uh, working out um, the nature of of shared agency and and shared intention is sort of how to formulate the intention just right, Right. Uh, how to to articulate what it is that is being intended. And so am I right in thinking that sort of one of the distinctive features uh, of your account is um, that the, the, the right way to conceive of the shared intention goes something like this: I intend that we do X together, we phi together. Is that right? Yes,
0: exactly. Right, and that's uh, one of the basic moves of the uh, construction. Yes.
1: So, so could you could you um, could you contrast that with? Cause I take it that there are all kinds of different views yeah. <laughs> about how to get the formulation just right. Yeah. Could, could you could you talk a little bit about that? Because yeah. that seems important.
0: <laughs> it's very important. Um, so. So remember what the project is. And let me say a little bit more about the project as I say this. So um, so the project is, can, is there a kind of construction of the plan theoretic structures of the individual agency that given the rational dynamics of planning agency will function in the ways characteristic of a shared intention and shared intentional activity? That's the project. And it's at the heart of the project. At the heart of the project is a kind of what I can call, what you might call a strategy of sufficiency. So the idea is, We're going to try to get something that's sufficient for shared intentional activity. It's not that concerned with, so philosophers typically worry about necessary and sufficient conditions. Can we give necessary and sufficient conditions for acting together in a shared intentional way or having a shared intention to walk down the street together? I'm more concerned with sufficient conditions than necessary conditions. So I want to show you, you can take these resources and it's enough to get shared intentional activity. Maybe there, you can weaken them in some way and you still have shared intentional activity. So the resources I give you are, um, maybe not strictly necessary, maybe there are alternative, as it were, realizations of shared intention and shared intentional activity. I don't think I can show that there aren't, um, though I have these kind of Occam's razor arguments against introducing alternatives that introduce fundamentally new elements. But I'm concerned with sufficiency, with, with a, a plant theoretic construction that's sufficient for the kind of functioning and normative, normativity that's characteristic of shared intentionality. And it seems to me that for that to work so we have to work with the plan states, the intention states of the participants, and you could. Uh, but but since this is supposed to be built on the planning theory, the plan states or intention states of the participants have to be regular intentions and plans. They can't be some fundamentally new kind of intention. That's actually Searle's move, mm-hmm. in which I want to resist. So so take ordinary intentions and in plans. What contents are they going to need to have if they're going to fit into a construction? that we can get a theorem that that construction gets you the functioning of shared intentionality. And the proposal I want to make is maybe I put it the way I put it is a little inaccurate because I put it in terms of have to have the contents (laughs) that I have to have. At least this, I believe, here's a content which is perfectly coherent and I think commonplace which, if the intentions of each have it, you're on your way to a construction of the sort we're after. And the content is, we each intend that we walk together, or we sing the duet together, okay? or we paint together, or we garden together. Okay? Now, um, the advantage of that is, once each of us intends that we walk together or we garden together, um, the rational dynamics of individual planning agency kicks in. Since I intend that we, let's say, we, we walk together, um, I have to worry about staying, keeping myself consistent with that. That means that I can't consistently intend to trip you because that would be inconsistent with our walking together. If I just intended to walk, given my expectation that you're walking, that wouldn't impose a constraint of consistency on my tripping you. Of course, if I expected that you'll keep walking, I would expect that my tripping wouldn't be effective. But there would be no no barrier to my intending to try to trip you. But if I intend that we walk, then the rest of my intentions have to be consistent with that. And so already we built into the participants, since they each intend that we walk, something that will... Rationally exert rational pressure in favor of not getting in each other's way. But also, because the intentions of each and plans of each have to satisfy this means and coherence norm, that's part of the rational dynamics of individual planning agency, each is under rational pressure to worry about sufficient means for doing it. So if I intend that we walk and you stumble, then normally... It, it, uh, I'm going to have to intend to help you if I can, since after all, helping you will be a necessary means to something I intend, which is we walk, not just I walk. So by building our activity into the content of each and then letting that content be grabbed on to by the rational dynamics of individual planning agency, which includes these norms of consistency and means and coherence. We're we're on our way to getting the rational dynamics of shared intentionality where I don't get in your way. I help you. um, And we're going to get more, uh, but we add more things. Now, the the worry there is that many people have had is, well, okay, let, let me step back in order to do that. Um, uh, in the within the constraints of the kind of theory I'm trying to develop, we have to be careful because we cl- clearly don't want to say what each intends is that we walk together in a shared intentional way. Since then, we're building the very idea of shared intentionality into the content of the intention that we're trying to use to get the theory of shared intentionality. and There's a kind of circularity there. So what we need is the idea of we walk together, in the content of my intention that we walk and your intention that we walk, where that that idea is, as it were, neutral with respect to whether it's shared intentional. And in this respect, we can go back to walking alongside. So suppose you're walking down Fifth Avenue, and it turns out you're walking alongside Barack Obama, who's on his way to give a talk, right? Um, This is unlikely to happen, uh, given security concerns. But to to suppose that we're happening, you might say, well, I'm walking with, with President Obama. I'm taking a walk with President Obama. And that would be a kind of joke. Um, Mm -hmm. But in a way, there's a way which is true. You are walking with him in this thin sense. It doesn't, there's no shared intention to walk together, but the behavior is the behavior that would be kind of characteristic of walking together in a shared intentional way. Although the explanation of behavior isn't a shared intention to walk together. So, Take the idea of that kind of of shared intention, neutral characterization of walking together, such that it's also true that President Obama and I are walking together in that case. And that's to put into the content of the intention of each. So each intends that we walk together or we paint together or we sing together in a sense of we do it together. That's neutral with respect to shared intentionality. And then what we're going to do is get the stronger form of doing it together out of the, Construction along the lines I was saying before. So that's how it's supposed to work. Um, There is a certain objection that people make to this. Should I talk about this now or what uh, or
1: is Is this the own the own action objection uh,
0: uh, intending something that's not your own action.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was, that was actually the next thing I had uh, in mind to, to ask you about. Okay,
0: so let's talk about that. Yeah,
1: so there is a
0: tradition in philosophy of action, philosophy of mind, which is skeptical about this picture because the picture is uh, what you intend are your own actions.
1: Um,
0: and that's, uh, and this, if I intend that we walk, even if we understand we walk in this shared intention neutral sense, Um, it's not my own action I'm intending, it's our action. Of course, our action includes mine, but it includes yours. Um, Does that make any sense? Um, Now, if you think of intention as always intending to, then you're kind of building in the own action condition. Because I don't intend to we walk. (laughs) That's not, we can't do that grammatically. But I can intend that we walk, and we frequently talk about intention that, as I intend that my son clean up his room, or I intend that the, the meeting end early, uh, if I'm the chair of the meeting, say. Um, and the, the proposal is we should take seriously this phenomenon of intending that such and such, and that we can take it seriously because we have a theory of intention that makes sense of it. The theory of intention is the planning theory, and the planning theory says to intend X, whether X is your own action or our action, or your son's cleaning up his room, to intend X is to be in a certain kind of planned state that plays certain roles. Now, with respect to certain cases, you won't be able to be in that planned state because you won't see your intention as having anything at all to do with the outcome. So I, it's probably not going, to be, it's not going to be coherent, given my beliefs about the world, for me to intend that, the, 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 that it rain in Palo Alto tomorrow, uh, though I can certainly wish for it, for <laughs> <a laughs> drought. Um, but I can intend that we walk... Um, according to me, because that intention can play the characteristic roles in the planning story, and by my own lights, my intention will will have a significant impact on whether or not we walk. So it's a perfectly coherent idea, intending that we walk, and that went in the shared intention neutral sense of we walk, and that when we put it into the model of the as it were, the the psychologies of the individuals, we include in each person's psychology the intention that we do this, you get the beginnings of a construction that's going to get you the rational dynamics of shared intentionality.
1: Great. So now let me ask just to to go beyond the beginning. So we've got, uh, I intend that we walk down Fifth Avenue, and you intend that we walk down Fifth Avenue. Um, But surely there's more. Um, there's more to the story than than each of us having this this the same kind of intention that we do something because um, at the very least I guess the each of our intention has to be connected in the right way to the activity right
0: yes yes Um, but there's even more even before you get to that point okay so let me say I mean um, yeah so right what's just Let's be clear what we're doing. We're doing construction. <laughs> we're saying, okay, let's build up the structures in the, of, of the individual psychologies which are planned theoretic psychologies, so they're very rich psychologies. Let's build up those structures, give contents to states and other things that we'll talk about, and see if we get something that gives us the theorem which is all that's sufficient for the functioning of shared intentionality. So, and then the point is, it's clearly not going to be enough to say each intends that we uh, X. Uh, and one way to see it's not enough which depends on having recognized that the content we x has to be understood in a shared intention neutral sense; otherwise, we get a circularity. But once you see that, you can uh, you you need to think about examples like the following. So this is this is the examples of what I sometimes call the mafia sense of "We're going to New York together." So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you're from New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia. So, um, right. So. Um, Uh, It's a a Saturday Night Live skit, right? So there are these two gang members. Each of them is thinking, I intend, looking at the other, they're in a parking lot or something. I intend that we go to New York. And the little bubble, which is the kind of way cartoons work with bubbles, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, little bubble says, by way, am I throwing you into the trunk of my car? Right. So each intends that we go to New York together, though each intends that we go in a, in a certain way, namely by throwing the other into the trunk of the car. So that's not a promising structure for shared intentionality. And, but each does intend that we go to New York together, since remember, we go to New York together is being understood in a way that doesn't entail shared intentionality. And if, if I drive you in the trunk of my car, you're in the trunk of my car and I'm driving, then there's a sense in which we're going to New York together. Okay. Right. Um, if I drive to New York. <laughs> um, and um, so what? The, so we need more. So, so, so what I say is, in the theory, I say, okay, so what we need is the idea, not just that each intends that we go to New York together or we paint together. We need the idea that each intends that we do it in part by way of the other guy's intention that we do it. <laughs> and that's what the mafioso don't intend. I don't... The one doesn't intend that we go to New York together in part by way of your intention to go to New York together. He doesn't care what your intention is. He's throwing you in the trunk of the car. <laughs> right? um, but each... But if each intends that it happened by way of the other's intention that it happened, I say that those intentions, in this sense, interlock, because the contents of the intention grab onto the other guy's intention and say, you've got to play a role, too. And that interlocking induces certain kinds of rational functioning. So, for example, I have to be... If I intend that we go to... If we I intend that we garden, say, in part by way, your intention that we garden, then I have to, because of the rational dynamics of the planning theory, I have to be sensitive to to means, not just to our gardening, to put to our gardening in a way in which your intention is effective. Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, and similarly for you, and this is going to help support the rational dynamics of shared intentionality. So that's one more of the elements. There are a number of others that we could talk about.
1: Uh, well, yeah, could you spell out just, I mean, I know it's an elaborate story yeah, no, that no. might be a little bit hard to, to track uh, in, in this form, but well, can you talk a little oh. bit more? <laughs>
0: I joke. Yeah. <laughs> Should I say more? Yes, please. please, Sure. Um, Yeah. So, again, the project is to build up, uh, giving these plan theoretic psychologies. And so what we have now is each intends the joint action understood in this neutral way. Each intends the joint action by way of the other's intention in favor of the joint action. I also think it will help the construction if we add this further, a further condition, um, and I could explain more about this if we had more time. But the further condition is going to be this. Each intends that this all happen. So we've got these individual agents who have these plan planning structures, and so they're going to worry about subplanning. So think about painting the house together. There's all these subplans that we have to someone we have to figure out who's going to paint, who's going to scrape, and who's going to get who's going to get the ladder and who's going to get the paintbrushes and what time it's going to take place. All the sub-planning is going to be structured by our shared intention to paint the house together. Well, the, the construction of our shared intention to paint the house together needs to make sure that it ensures that you get that kind of sub-planning. And the way to ensure that, according to me, is to say that each not only intends that we paint, and each not only intends that we paint by way of the other's intention we paint, but each intends that we paint by way of subplans of each that mesh with each other, It's where they mesh when they're co-doable, co-realizable. So it's part of it. now. It's, so, so, so it's part of my intention when we intend to paint the house together that as things work out over time, because remember this is a dynamical system, as it were, as things works out over time, we're going to move in the direction of subplans, which are co-compatible. So, for example, um, the subplans will uh, inc- include won't uh, include your uh painting a certain area uh after I put the ladder there, not before. <laughs> uh, and will uh will we'll, um won't include things that are you know that, that we painted. So my subplan is to paint it all red and your subplan is to paint it all blue. Well those subplans aren't co-compatible. They don't mesh. And if we're gonna have a shared intention to paint together, we're gonna to have an intention Uh, Anyway, my construction of the shared intention to paint together is going to include an intention that ultimately we get to subplans that mesh. So those won't include, for example, a subplan to paint it all red and a subplan to paint it all blue. Um, You can notice that it's an intention that there be mesh. You can have a shared intention in which there isn't yet mesh. That's what the basis is for. Various kinds of negotiation or bargaining, or if we get to talk about it more shared deliberation, we could, we could, if we have a shared intention to paint the house together, and I intend to paint it all red, and you intend to paint it all blue, we've got a problem, and the the, the rational dynamics of the problem is our shared intention is going to involve an intention that we have subplans that mesh, our subplans don't mesh, so we need to do something. And the pressure to do something comes from the the rational dynamics of individual planning agency because uh, part of intending that there be mesh is being set to take steps to ensure that there's mesh and there isn't mesh so far. So that's another element. So we've got three elements, intending that we do it, intending we do it by way of the other's intention we do it. That's the interlocking element, intending that there be subplans that mesh. Um, uh, Here, one more element that I'll mention is... um, and that actually goes to your original question. Your original question was, Hey, doesn't all this have to connect up with action so far? It's just kind of all this plan stuff zipping about in the heads of each. Presumably what I said in the beginning was these shared intentions, which we're constructing in this way are going to explain the behavior. But then there's this question of how does all this have to connect up with the behavior for the behavior to be shared intentional. If, uh, uh, and my kind of basic answer to that is the, the, this structure of intentions of each that's going to constitute the shared intention is in, on the model leads to the behavior in a way that involves something that's a very common sensible idea of mutual responsiveness. That is, each is going to be sensitive to and responsive to the intentions and actions of the other in a way that tracks the joint activity painting the house, singing duet, growing the garden. Um, so, as it were, the connection between social thought and social action goes by way of mutual responsiveness that tracks the social goal of painting together or whatever. And then the, the, the thought is that 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 connection will then be internalized within the intentions of each. Each will not only intend that we do it, that we do it by way of the other's intention, we do it, we do it by way of subplans that mesh. They'll also intend that. It work its way through by way of this kind of mutual responsiveness, and plus or minus a bit, there's still some things left out. That's that's the guts of the construction uh, that I am going to claim give us a, a kind of sufficient condition for uh, robust forms of shared intentionality.
1: Well, great. Um, so let me skip over. You know, th- th- there's there are other issues that are that are lingering, uh, and just to pick up on. Um, uh, the last part you said, and and, and uh, this will be, you know, you, you've been very generous with your time, so uh, we're, we're we're running short. But um, I did want to make sure that we do get to talk a little bit about the the role of sort of group deliberation uh, that that the book ends with. Good. So um, I think we just sort of hit a natural kind of segue, as it were, yeah. uh, to that. So can you tell us a little bit about your view of group deliberation, and particularly with with connection to the the, the sort of partiality stuff that you were talking about. Out a little while ago.
0: Yeah, this, there's a lot to say here. It, it occurs to me, though, to set the context, there's something else I have to emphasize, um, uh, which actually I think is really important about the view. If you look at the final view about what a shared intention is, the following is just uh, uh, is, remains possible and importantly so. We could share an intention to do something. Though, for diff- though we participate in the shared intention for different reasons. I could intend that we paint the house the other because I can't stand the color. You can intend that we paint the house the other because you can't stand the mildew. This is really important because the mo- it means that the model of shared intention is a model of a kind of intermediate kind of link between people that doesn't require convergence, as it were, all the way up in about views about the right and the good, say. And that's why I think this is a, this model might be useful for various kinds of uh, 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 social interaction as, as characteristic of a liberal pluralistic culture in which we have to act together in shared intentional ways. In which, we, but without um, there being convergence all the way up in the reasons uh, for which we act. Obviously, the reasons were as the reasons get very very different, things could fall apart. But the important point is this is a model of of sociality that allows for divergence and fundamental reasons, but convergence and linkage with respect to the shared activity. Um, And I think that is going to carry over to our account of shared deliberation, but I'm not sure I'll get to do that. So let me step back and answer your question about shared deliberation. Um, Once you have people acting together and so committed to a mesh, all sorts of problems are going to come up. And they've got to sort those problems out. You know, who paints, who scrapes, what color do we use, um, and so on. What's the timing of it? Um, you, there, I believe there, uh, of course, this is where people talk about bargaining and a lot of times the way, the these problems would be sort out would be, be a, a kind of bargaining in which each brings to the table his or her own personal concerns and we kind of sort it out and we figure out, okay, uh, we'll settle on chartreuse for the color. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I, do, I do think that the theory makes room for a kind of thinking together, not just acting together, but thinking together in the context of these shared intentional activities in which the thinking together is itself a distinctive kind of shared intentional activity that we're, that's kind of naturally describable as shared deliberation, where the idea is we bring to bear uh, shared commitments to certain things counting in our sorting out The mesh in our subplans. So think an example might be, um, uh, say, uh, an undergraduate admissions committee, say, in which the participants are engaged in the shared intentional activity of choosing the entering class. Okay. And they have all sorts of different concerns uh, that may not be the same across the different people, but they need to they need some common standards that they can bring to bear in their shared deliberation, where that could be something that happens across the table, but also implicitly is happening when they go home and read the files with an eye to this, the shared commitments or shared standards of the group. And the thought is that there's a, um, if that um, what the, what the, that we could give a nice model of, of this idea of a common standard that they bring to bear in their shared thinking about how they're going to, Follow through in this shared intentional activity of admitting the entering class um, by appeal to certain kinds of, um, uh, of uh, uh, shared intentions, which I call shared policies. Policies are just intentions that are general in certain ways. And the thought is this: that, uh, Let's take, let's stick with the example of the emissions committee. So uh, there's a, there's a big controversy sh- uh, that floats all, uh, around these things about well, should should legacies count? Where legacies are giving some kind of weight to the fact that the, the applicant's uh, family has a prior connection to the institution. Um, And you can, and you know, different admissions committees will come out differently on whether legacies count. So suppose there's an admissions committee though, that, that has a share that as it were brings to bear in a shared deliberation about who to admit uh, a commitment to giving some weight to legacies. Well, what, what's the nature of that commitment? Um, I want to say it doesn't have to be. A, it doesn't have to be that they agree on the value of that, because there may actually be complicated views about the value of that. But they might converge not on a judgment of the value of that, but on a policy of giving that weight in their shared deliberation. I call that shared policies about weights, and it's going to be a kind of shared intention. And we can take the whole kind of architecture of the. Of the, of the plan theoretic account of shared intention and apply it to that. So we get an account of what, that kind of, what those shared commitments are that are shaping the, sh- the shared thinking, the accounts con- the of shared deliberation, the concerns for which are to uh, solve problems of mesh in our shared intentional activities. Um, I try to develop this in more detail in the book, but that's the basic story.
1: Well, that's, um, that's enough to give, uh, our listeners, uh, I think a pretty good indication of, um, You know, some of the detail that, uh, that gets spelled out, um, in that last chapter of the book. But, um, for now, Michael, you've been very, very generous, uh, with your time. And, um, thanks for talking us, uh, talking to us today about your book, Shared Agency. Um, I usually ask people, um, uh, at the end of our, our, our talks, uh, what's on the horizon. So, uh, can you, as a last answer, tell us what we can expect to see next?
0: Well, you can never know. Philosophy is experimental science, and the experiment is the philosophers trying to think about it. uh, But but the two things I want to think more about are the one that we noted earlier, which was uh, I'm self-conscious in the book of not giving a theory of institutions, but of modest sociality. And there's a big set of questions here about how, whether or not these ideas of mine scale up, as it were the larger institutions. Uh, these, have come, these questions come up fairly explicitly in some literature in the philosophy of law, by the way, I should say. I'd like to think more about that. And I also need to think more about uh, the kind of foundations of the theory. So I keep saying, that at the bottom of the theory is this idea of a kind of distinctive rational dynamics of planning agency. Um, and, um, and at various points along the way, as we've been talking, that, that rational dynamics has entered the discussion. But the whole idea of, of rational dynamics of planning agency has been challenged in a number of ways, in, including ways that I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about uh, Joseph Ross and Nico Kolodny's views about myth theories. Uh, uh, and um, and in particular I've tried to wrap with over the years that even if you can make sense of a kind of Uh, rational constraints within planning agency, constraints of consistent coherence, which are, so to speak, synchronic constraints at a time. How are you going to make sense of this idea of certain kinds of rational pressures for um, constancy over time? Is Is there a coherent story to tell about diachronic rationality of planning agency? It's very puzzling because If you're not careful, you're going to make people who are diachronically uh, planned, theoretically stable, look stubborn, (laughs) holding on to the plans no matter what. On the other hand, if you don't have some kind of story about the rational dynamics uh, of the planning uh, agency, then there's something deep, important missing in the theory, because after all, the whole point of the planning story was to explain coordination, the organization over time. So I need to, th- I, I want to think a lot more about the rational dynamics of planning agency in the diachronic case. And that, I hope, I hope next time you interview me will be about that.
1: Well, I would be uh, very pleased to do so. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for uh, future work on, on that topic. But for now, um, Michael Bratman, uh, thanks so much for uh, talking to us today on New Books in Philosophy. Thank you, Bob. Take care now.
0: You too. Bye
1: you've been listening to my interview with professor michael Bratman of stanford university we were talking about his new book shared agency a planning theory of acting together newly published by oxford university press i'm robert talis your host this is new books in philosophy thank you for listening